What's going on, cool Christian nerd community? This is your host, your brother, from another mother but the same Heavenly Father, Jamie Centeno. This podcast will help you to be the smart one in what matters in any social gathering you're in while keeping your cool factor. Now, how's this going to go down? I thought I'd hit up some of the smartest, most experienced, most keeping it real people I know to talk about subjects they are prolific in and that matter. If you are a younger believer still working out how you are seeing the world and wondering how a person of faith should engage it, this is the podcast for you. I want to keep it brief but beefy with helpful info. Let's go. Hey everybody, I'm excited today because of who's on the line with me. His name is Jay Koopman. He's the youth and young adult pastor out of HROC. Today we're going to be talking about real discipleship and how they're a rare species. This is such an important subject. Let's listen and learn together. I'm so glad you are here with me, man, on my Cool Christian Nerd podcast. How are you doing today? Oh, man, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great, man. And I think we picked a subject for you or a topic that is right up your lane. Come on, bro. I'm stoked. I'm excited. How's everybody doing? <laughs> Everybody's doing well, man. And so we've been having uh, some good topics thus far. And I thought this idea of rare species, meaning like we're the re- real disciples out there who yeah. got character and not just charisma. So yeah. I thought you'd be a great person just to talk about this stuff. And so there are people who are about to hear our conversation on this rare species that might not be ready for what you're about to bring. Okay. It's all good. But I think something that will help them is that you could give us a quick rendition of how you got to where you are in your own discipleship journey. Well, yeah. Um, you know, I came into to Christianity, you know, I was kind of like, Saul on the way to destroying my life and I got knocked off my donkey Um, and uh, basically I was in jail and um, and sentenced to teen challenge where you know at that moment I I just had no choice either do time in prison or go to teen challenge and because I'd grown I'd, I'd grown up in drugs and and you know doing everything I wanted living on my own living fully for what the world has to offer with Mm. drugs and women and whatever I wanted as a teenager, I was just ready for a change. You know, I was ready to try something. And even though I didn't believe really in God, the way that I should, I didn't want to not give God a chance and, um, and say that it's my fault that this didn't work, you know? Mm. Um, so I just, I just said, I'm giving this all I got. And I went for it and, um, got discipled in teen challenge, got delivered. Um, Mm -hmm. I felt the call of God on my life and I knew that I didn't know anything about life when it comes to the Christian world. Mm-hmm. So I decided to, to just let the man of God who God assigned to me, which was my spiritual father at the time, Sal DiBianca from teen challenge. I okay. just knew that the best thing I could do was listen to him. And he had a life that I didn't have, but I wanted, and I didn't want to argue with him about it. I just wanted to listen to what he had to say and I pretty much just did whatever he told me to do. And he taught me how to pray, he taught me how to read my Bible. He taught me how to align myself with, with authority. He taught me how to, you know, have character and integrity and accountability and, 
And from that moment on, you know, I kind of lived that way everywhere that I went. I, I went to Bible college in California and um, in Los Angeles. And, and I, you know, I didn't know a better way but to listen to the Lord and to listen to my leadership and um, to be accountable um, and to really have a lifestyle of integrity through accountability and discipleship. And uh, I think because of that Elisha type mentality to the Elijahs, I just started advancing in everything I did. It, I, I'm sure there were people that could have been more gifted than me, maybe um, more mature than me, but I was trusted by the leaders because of my, my pure heart and alignment towards them to carry out tasks, which allowed my gift to manifest even stronger because I was trusted. And I kept that mentality from Los Angeles and we had a, a church that broke out in revival. Um, so at that time there was a lot of pastors that I connected with all over the world. And, and for some reason, they would always want me around them. And I think it was just because of my honor for humility to serve them and my willingness to help build whatever they were doing. Even if it was just a guy traveling into Los Angeles to speak, you know, my pastor would let me go drive him. And, and um, even though my youth group was in revival, I would, I would help sell his books. I would be sitting at his book table, which most of the time, that's what their interns would do. But I would offer to do that. And, and you, know, so, you know, a lot of guys at my age at the time probably wouldn't have wanted to do that. They wanted everybody to know they were, a, you know, a pastor in revival. But I knew that the anointing that was on my life was, in, was imparted by the fathers of the Lord. And so for me to serve them, I never wanted to lose that edge. Right. And, um, and that took me to ministries in New York where I worked with amazing ministries there. That took me to work with major apostles all over the world, be, to be entrusted to, to be speakers in, in massive conferences around the world, um, to host conferences, to, to uh, you know, all the way to the point of um, now working with um, Cheon, who's my spiritual father as well, and helping him with his network, which is HIM but also helping his son, who is my, my supreme authority, um, who's, uh, you know, I'm under his son, Gabe. And, you know, my wife and I, we still, even though we have a major voice at HROC, we, we're entrusted with a lot. You know, when Gabe goes to the restroom, you can ask my wife or his wife, you know, I never let him go by himself. I, I stand with him just because I, I haven't lost that edge to really be discipled and to serve no matter how big my voice has gotten over the, over the years. I've, I've stayed in that place of being an armor bearer and a servant and being a disciple. Um, and um, that, that is, I, I'd like to tell people that I feel like that probably outweighs my gift because that makes my gift to be trusted by the generals to do what, uh, what they've asked me to do or what I asked them if I can do. That's uh, good. There's a trust victor there. Yeah. Man, you, you, you state that so well everything you're describing is so rare and uh, like, like even the time you were describing when you were surrounded by others that were probably kind of on the same path and had the same opportunity, but you might not see as many of them around you. So there's a rarity to what you're describing, a rarity to your heart. And I like what you said, you were saying something about how you looked up to this man that you were looking to be discipled by. I don't know, but I feel like there's, sometimes people want more friendships than discipleship. They want somebody that they can sort of like put a stamp of approval on them or, or just endorse them or get buddy, buddy with them. But when it comes to the accountability factor, 
are really getting in the world, that's where a lot of them are not cool with that aspect of discipleship. So they're really looking probably for friendship. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's so cool to see how you're, you're able to still maintain that even after all these years. And so that's why I thought it'd be good just to talk to you about this. So let me give you the scenario. So okay. is, is, is this a cool or unway or uncool way of going about this? So you've got this talented, gifted, anointed person who was a part of the leadership of a church and they're found bashing the president online, whether that's through them just, you know, putting something on their comments or whatever. But in doing that, they're not like rightly representing the church that they're from well. And they're not only not representing the church well, but they're not representing Christ well. So as a result of that, some leaders and some people who know them and love them or might even be discipling them, they call them and rebuke them for dishonoring authority. Now, is that rebuking a cool or uncool way of going about this when it comes to, you know, calling somebody on some behavior, even if it's online? So are you saying, is it, is it, a, is it cool for their authority to rebuke them when right. they're um, acting? Well, yeah, I, I, I think so. You know, um, I, I, you know, I, I, all I can say is that I, you know, I, I deeply love, um, all my brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I feel like a lot of these people are very called to certain spheres of influence, you know, so they, they actually, most of these people that are bashing Trump or bashing Obama or whoever, they probably have a real calling and passion for politics, um, and sometimes we have great callings and great zeal, but we don't have wisdom. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, it, it's just like, you know, you know, us, Pastor Jamie, um, um, you know, we learned over the years how to take our passion and, and to do things uh, in, a, in a very more mature way, you know. And so I may have certain feelings about certain things, but the reality is, is that I've learned over the years you know, it's like if I see something wrong with someone, do I correct them, you know, before they go up to lead worship or do I talk to them later? Because, you know, I know that's not the time to do that. There's just wisdom and maturity. And so I love that these people are passionate about politics. I just think that they they may not be um, navigating their passion in a wise way. And so for somebody to call them out on that, I really believe that's important. Um, but I believe if you're willing to rebuke somebody, then you need to be willing to disciple them into the way to help their passion come alive in a healthy way. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times we like to hold up the rules and that's what the religious people did. We, they held up the rules and said, Hey, here's the rules. You can't heal on a Sabbath. But the whole purpose of the Sabbath was for, is to benefit man. And so Jesus cared more about the principle of the Sabbath than holding something, a rule over someone's head because they didn't, they didn't do the right thing. And so mm-hmm. the reality is, is there's a massive principle behind rebuking someone. It's, it's rebuking them to check their heart, but then we need to be somebody who says, okay, how can I serve this person and walk them and disciple them to really live out their passion and to find ways for them to come alive in their area of being passionate about politics. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. And I think, I think so many times in church, we we're quick to tell somebody what not to do instead of telling them what to do. Right. 
Yeah, that's good. So, so I agree 1,000% is what I'm saying. Yes, check them. But also realize where's their strengths in this area. And, and you know, some people, they're just doing it because, you know, a lot of people just like to be negative on social media because they feel like that's, you know, that makes them someone and they're, they're totally not right. So some people don't have these callings, but you know, um, I'm very grateful for the times that I've been corrected. I, I remember one time, um, I had just spoken in a high school and man, the place got wrecked. And, um, and I wrote on my social media, I took a picture and said, you know, we just rocked this school. And one of my spiritual fathers, Steve Twaz, great man of God, um, you know him, Jamie. Yeah. He uh, he wrote me and he said, "Hey, don't say we just rocked the high school. Why don't you come and say God just rocked the high school?" So I was so grateful because he was able to help me realize how I represent um, on social media. So I think there's a spirit of media that's trying to destroy our country, I, and I think it's the it's 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 what I mean by spirit of media is that you know people are being um, divided through the media through social media, and I think that we do need to call each other out and we do need to correct each other when we're, when we're misrepresenting God for sure. Um, but I do think we need to take into consideration, are we helping this person find ways to discover how to release their passion in a healthy way? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think that's good. I, when, when, when you share that, you know, the, the scenario I painted was just an idea or a scenario of what, people can do and then a person checking them the idea that i was thinking of is this being rebuked a lot of people haven't even experienced that or understand that's part of the discipleship process right and um so i i i wonder how many people are unrebukable instead of oh yeah rebukable because I, oh yeah the rebuke is showing that you belong or part of somebody is willing to get with you and and get close enough to call you on things that can be detrimental to who you represent. And so well, the Bible. Yeah. yeah. Well, can I speak on that? Well, the yeah, Bible clearly talks about being, you know, um, encouraged, corrected and rebuked. And, you know, um, a lot of people can't even handle correction. Mm -hmm. I mean, they getting to the place of rebuke, wow. you know, they can't even take correction. Correction is when I when you've gotten off a little bit and I want to help you get back on track, you know, because of pride, they can't even take correction. But a rebuke is when an authority comes in. And this is just my opinion, Pastor Jamie. Yeah, I'm 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 sharing my opinion, which anybody that's listening to this podcast, you know, just, you know, this is what I believe God showed me. But it takes a father to encourage a son. There's nothing like a father encouraging a son. So I believe it also takes a father to rebuke a son. And I think it's very important for, you know, because a friend can definitely challenge you and sharpen you. But, you know, when I think pastors with their spiritual fathers to these people can not only encourage them in ways like never before, you know, it's like when you encourage your children it means something way more than when a friend does it or an outside person. Mm -hmm. But in the same way, it cuts just as deep when a father rebukes a disciple, a spiritual son or daughter. Right. And I think it, it is, there's a, there's a sin tooth of rebellion that gets pulled out 
because pride and rebellion are most of the times what we are overcoming in our in our walk with God. And it takes a real rebuke sometimes to, to get that. And I don't know how many times that I've been rebuked and it hurt, but it also radically changed my life, especially when it can't when it comes from a father, especially when a father in the Lord, you know, rebukes you and um, and it changes your life. Um, I could give you a funny story if you want one. <laughs> sure. You know, um, and I, I'm, I'm healed enough now to tell you the story. But, you know, when I was really young in the Lord, I, I went to Brownsville Revival and I saw Steve Hill laying hands on people. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. You know, you can be so anointed. You can pray for people and they fall out on the floor. So I, huh. I would like I was so zealous, man, that I <clears throat> that I um that I uh, I I couldn't wait to to, you know, I would be in my room watching preachers on TV, like praying that my hand would be anointed like that, you know? Right. Like, and so one, one night we go out to do ministry with the teen challenge choir back when I served with teen challenge before I started pastoring. And, uh, <laughs> and we were at a camp and, uh, and it, you know, Sal would always send us out my spiritual father to lay hands on people. So I go out and, <laughs> and I couldn't wait to lay hands on somebody because I wanted to see him fall. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, and so, you know, I go up to the biggest guy there and I lay my hands on his chest, man. And, and I don't know if I pushed him. I don't know what happened, but he went out <laughs> and I was like, hallelujah. And I so I just started making my way through the crowd and everybody was getting slain. And I, 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 I mean, I just felt the glory all over me and, so then I walk up to one of my co-leaders and I said, bro, feel my hand, man. Feel what's on me right now. And I think I was only like 19 years old. And so um, the it was it, that was a Friday night. The next Saturday, that, that following Saturday, we were back at the campus for Teen Challenge and it was my night to do chapel. So you know what I was thinking about. I'm like, OK, who's ready to get prayed for? So I started laying hands on everybody and people started falling. And man, I was like, I couldn't believe it. And and I couldn't wait and, um, until, you know, Monday morning came so I could talk to my spiritual father about this new gift on my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he shows up Monday, Monday morning and, I, and he calls me into his office and I got this big smile on my face. And I said, Sal, I said, hey, man, I said, did you hear about what happened Friday and Saturday? He said, yeah, Jay, I heard you were pushing people down. And I said, what? And I was so like, I was so tripped out. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, Jay, do you know that we were at a Methodist camp that night and they don't even believe in that? Hmm. And he said, we'll never be invited back again. Wow. Because, you know, I was taught, Pastor Jamie, when you go into a service that you honor their doctrine. Right. So I didn't even honor their doctrine. You know, when I was invited under that house, you know, when, you know, we get invited to a Methodist church, you don't preach on things that are not under their covering, you know? Yeah. And so, and so he rebukes me and I did, I was so prideful and, and upset that, um, that, um, that he had to call in some, he said, and some of the guys said Saturday night that you were laying hands on them and they, um, they were, they felt pushed. And I said, I don't believe in that. I don't agree with that. So he calls the guys in my own students come in and have to confess to me, that I that they felt pushed by me. Oof. 
Now I'm only 19 years old. I'm devastated. I'm broken. At that moment, all of my flesh comes out. All of my anger comes out. I start telling my, my spiritual father who I'm working for. I'm like, you don't trust me. I stay here and I run this program while you're at home with your family. But yet you make me give you phone calls when I go, you know, to, to, to the store. And you, it's because you don't trust that I'm not going to do drugs at the store. And he's like, no, I'm just trying to to hold you accountable in case somebody was to call and say you did something and you're by yourself. Cause at the time I didn't understand accountability was a good thing. Yeah. I thought you just didn't trust me. Does that make right. sense? And so um, make a long story short, we got in this huge fight disagreement and um, I wanted to go home and I felt devastated after that moment. And, um, and so come, it came time for my, my commitment to be up. And I told him I wanted to go be with my grandmother and just go to church. Well, I went to, to, to stay with my grandmother after my commitment. I was still hurt, never talked about it, felt embarrassed. A few months later, I, I, I went out and I was kind of backsliding. I wasn't all the way there, but I was, I was, my foot was in the world a little bit. I, I, was, I got into a, a car accident, drinking and driving, flipped my car, went back to Teen Challenge. I called Sal and said, I broke my foot. When I take this cast off, can I come back? I go back. As soon as I get there, I get in the car with him and I say, you know why I left? And he just looked at me and I said, I left because I couldn't take your rebuke. And I said, I was ashamed when you. And I said, Sal, I said, I know you were right and I was wrong. And I said, and I know the reason why you wanted me to call you when I went to the grocery store is not because you didn't trust me, but you wanted to protect me. And from that moment on, I learned how to take a rebuke. And let me just tell you something. Since then, I haven't, it's not that I haven't laid hands on people and see, I've seen more manifestations now than I ever have, right. but I have a totally different heart towards laying hands on people. You know, yeah, people do get touched and they do fall, but my goal is not that. See, my, the reason why I'm telling you that story is it took me months to handle that rebuke. Yeah. But, but it, but what that rebuke did is it exposed so many other things inside of me yep. that I, I, that I needed to get out of me. But now I, that was the changing point in my life for me to realize how beautiful it is to be rebuked by a seasoned leader yep. because they've seen and done things that I've never done before. They've been places I've never been. And now, you know, I welcome rebukes regularly. I've had Pastor Gabe rebuke me since I've worked on staff here. I'm very grateful for those moments. And he's called me out. And now when people rebuke me, I'm so grateful for it. I receive it well. And I, I, I don't, I don't get offended by it because I know that I need it. But I think there's this, there's this shifting of, of there's this, this moment when you get rebuked by a spiritual father or a pastor that you've got to go through this process. And for me, you know what? It took me getting upset, holding on to bitterness for months. It took me going and getting into a car accident to understand this guy was right. Yeah, man. That he was right. That's a good story. Yes. Wow. So that's real. I mean, the first time we get rebuked, it could be the end of our world. But every time after that, if we learn from it, it ends up just maybe stinging a little bit. But we know it's a good sting and it's, it's, it's for a purpose that's going to help us. Yeah. What else would you say would qualify as a real disciple of Jesus, what, what would be those qualities that a real disciple of Jesus would have? I think we've qualified the fact that one of them would be the ability to be rebuked. Is there any other things? Well, I think, um, I think integrity is, uh, you know, is a, is a strong character um, that we're supposed to have. We're supposed to walk in integrity. I think honor 
you know, when you see somebody walking in integrity, walking in honor. And I think um, a disciple of Jesus um, really carries this this mindset to really promote Jesus yeah. and not themselves. And you can sense that a lot of times by how much somebody's talking about either Jesus or themselves, you know, and, 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 and I think one of the greatest manifestations of a disciple of Jesus who's really living for Jesus is they're always talking about, you know, the other, yeah. you know what I mean? And so, you know, Jamie and our friendship, I've always helped try to be a friend in your life, but I've, I've always preferred you to somebody or preferred somebody to you. You know, it's, it's not me talking about me. It's me trying to build the kingdom. Right. And so I think, I think, you know, um, I think there are people that are that that have Jesus in their heart, but they're not a true disciple because they're building their own kingdom. And I so I think when you can sense that somebody's building the kingdom and not their kingdom, then and, and a lot of times the way that you can really see that is they do things for God that are unnoticed, that are hidden. They take the middle seat on the plane. Right. They they let they they, they build they help build the kingdom where they don't get any recognition. Their prayer life is is strong with the Lord, you know, like they, they have an appetite for getting up early and spending time with the Lord. They have an appetite for for helping serve. It's like it's like there's something inside of you that says, I want to serve and I don't care if I get recognition. Yeah, I want to bless and I don't care if somebody knows it. You know, it's like you can tell because their 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 whole identity is laid down. And and because their identity is laid down, Jesus comes alive in them and the way that it's really noticed is that there's no recognition there's nothing tangible about it and they're just completely sold out to whatever the vision is um and and you don't hear a lot of themselves involved yeah, you know what good. i mean like you don't hear a lot of of hey i you know i i, I here's what we should do and i want to do this it's like no whatever you want to do or here's some ideas that i have um and, and it's to better the kingdom not better my ministry does that make yeah, sense real good so without naming names, I was just wondering from you, like, do you know of any many churches killing it when it comes to making true disciples that that yeah. are out there? They're like, man, or is that even a rarity to see um, many churches doing it? They might be making converts, but making disciples a whole new ball game. So, yeah, you, you say, you you know, some. Yeah, I think there is. I think. um I think there's there's a lot of amazing churches that are really making disciples, you know, and I think the the you know a lot of those places are are they have structures involved so that discipleship can be can be formed. I mean, you can't really make disciples on Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. You you can you can preach about it, but you can't actually do it. You know, Jesus Jesus discipled people. His disciples, he spent time with them. He lived with them for years. And so for three years. And so I think when you see churches that have, whether it be, you know, cell groups or whether it be, um, you know, having house meetings or whatever that looks like, or the pastor is somebody that's very involved with his team, which causes his team to be involved with their team. Um, it's doing life together. So, so I, I like to, I like to look at, you know, and don't get me wrong, there are churches that have cell groups and Bible studies, but they still aren't making disciples. Does that make sense? Yeah. They're just having community meetings. So I think, you know, when you have a solid team and, 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 and you know, um, you can a lot of times you can tell discipleship because you see other leaders in that church that are totally committed to the vision of that pastor. But they also 
um, have a voice that that can show you right there that that disciples are being made in that church. And so, for instance, you can you can have churches that that people have a voice, but they don't stay with the vision. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's that's the that's the that's probably the biggest fear in a lot of pastors minds about giving their their guys a voice is that they, they want a voice, but they're not connected to their vision. Yeah. You know, so they get afraid and insecure. I don't want to give you a voice because you're going to split my church in half. Mm. Well, so there's a healthy chemistry between making sure that people stay on the vision of the house and giving them a voice at the same time. So when you see churches that are that people are sold out to that vision and they have a voice that's where true discipleship's being made great now what would you say to someone who desires real discipleship they're saying hey i'm i'm ready for this i'm ready to take the plunge i just don't want to be a spectator i want to get in the game and discipleship seems like it's the place to start what are any steps or tips that they can take to make that happen well, um, I, I think if you're ready to be discipled, first of all, one of the things I would like to say is that don't wait on somebody to come and pick you. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, a lot of times church people, they like, well, I'm not getting discipled. Okay, well, that's, that's not the leader's fault. Mm. You need to go to a person and pray about it and ask somebody to um, disciple you. You know what I mean? Right. Secondly, you need to make sure that you're not you're not picking out somebody that's, you know, of course, the opposite sex. But at the same time, you need to make sure that, that, that the person that disciples you is not doesn't always need to have your gift set. Mm, you know what I mean? It's good. Sometimes the best person to disciple you is somebody totally different from you mm. because they're going to point out things in your life that they see that you don't see. You know what I mean? That's yeah, good. Um, they don't even have to be in your sphere of influence. I think sometimes we want people to disciple us in our gift set. And stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? Wow. Yep. And so I've discipled people and had people disciple me who don't even have the same calling as I have, you know? And so discipleship's about character. You know, if you want to get your gift set worked on, you know, that's, that's, that's great and all, but you need somebody that can disciple you, you know, in your character. And so the next thing that I think is really major is that, if you want to be discipled, you need to make it, let it be convenient for the person discipling you. Don't have this unhealthy expectation and this, you know, let down mentality that they didn't fulfill your needs. You need to be flexible. You need to know that they're taking time out of their life, their family to spend time with you. So you need to be flexible and accommodating to their schedule hmm. and honor what they can do. Don't, you know, don't, don't put an expectation on them from your hurts and your past and cause them to let you down in areas because it was what you thought they should do. You need to let them lead in the way that they know how to lead and learn how to, to really, you know, soak in what their, their, their capacity is to give you as a, as a leader. Right. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, um, I don't know how many times I've heard stories of, well, you know, they said they were my spiritual father and they didn't spend time with me. And I know that that's not because they didn't do a good job. It's because you had an unhealthy expectation. Mm, good. And and I think if you really want them to disciple you, then, you know, and this is just my opinion again. But you need to honor the fact that when they let you know the certain times and stuff that they can do, you need to work your life around their schedule because you're the one that wants them to pour into you. And so, you know, a lot of times people want to be discipled, but on their terms, they on their terms, you know, on their time, their terms. And I don't I don't think that's 
that's that's what it is. And I mean, the last thing you need to be able to enjoy and have fun with this person, oh. you know, and do life with them. It doesn't always have to be like, let's sit down and have a three point time together. Yeah. You know, it's sometimes it's, it's get in the car with me, you know, like, you know, um, let's go to the store together and I'll go pick up stuff from my wife at the grocery store while you're in the car with me. You know, like it's doing life together. It's having fun together. It's, it's yeah. Watch me live it's somewhat. Yeah. Watch me live my life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and sometimes it's, it's, it's going through also like for me, Jamie, this is where I really, really have seen some of the greatest, you know, I got a guy with me right now who's been with me a long time. And, um, and he was with me in some very tough moments. And I think I like for those, my disciples to experience those moments with me where I'm not gossiping about someone. I'm not, you know, um, um, turning their hearts away from the church, but just moments where they can see not just the, 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 the good, the easy stuff, but the hard stuff, yeah. you know? And so if you're going to be discipled by somebody and they trust you enough to let you into their journey and their struggle, it's an honor to be in that struggle with them and see how they handle it. Wow. Does that make yeah, sense? That's great. Because, because it, you know, there may not always be, you don't, you don't want to look for the person discipling you to, to look at, okay, I just want to see how they handle it when everything's going well, when the ministry's growing or the business is growing. You want to be with them in their tough moments because you're going to have tough moments and you want to see how they handle those tough moments. That's right. So sometimes we measure, is this person good enough to disciple me because of the success they have all the time? Hmm. No, nobody's going to have success all the time. You know what I mean? So then people jump ship and go jump on another successful pastor or church because they think well they ain't doing good right now i need to go find a better place and you know what they'll never know how to make it through the storm yep yep that's great these have been great tips man i appreciate everything that you were sharing and i know we're going to get some good feedback to help people become this rare species of being a real disciple so how can people learn more about you or find you on social media or anything like that well, I, you know, I work for Atrock Church, um, and I'm, I work with Pastor Gabe and Pastor Monica, and uh, I, I have social media. My Instagram is Jay Koopman, um, J A Y K O O P M A N, and uh, I have Facebook, but I, I, I stay on Instagram. I do have a Twitter, and I just kind of everything I promote on my Instagram goes to my Facebook and my Twitter. But yeah, and I mean, they're more than welcome to come visit our church and and come to our conferences and whatever we can do to help serve and. You know, I just enjoyed this is a really um, amazing subject for me to talk about is discipleship. And I, I just feel like if you can jump on and be discipled by a leader and always wait for the blessing of the leader. I've never done anything, Pastor Jamie, without the blessing of all, all of my leaders. I can honestly tell you I've never done anything without the full blessing of everybody around me mm-hmm. every time. And um, and that's not easy. But I've gotten the blessing. The Bible says the heart of the king is held in the hands of God, whether it be marry my wife, go to another ministry, whether it be start something in our ministry, whether it be, um, you know, whatever that looks like. I stay under the blessing and the covering of of my leader. And that's what being a disciple is. And that doesn't mean I don't hear for God here from God for myself. I do hear from God for myself as a person, but I still like to even check in with my leaders about what they think about certain things in my personal life. Right. But I, I hear from God for myself. But when it comes to the, what we do together as a ministry, 
I know I need the blessing of the Lord on it from the leadership. Amen. Yeah. That's what being a disciple in ministry looks like. Well, the evidence is there, man. You've been eating, drinking, and and uh, living this thing out. And so it's great to see the fruit of your life is evidence that you're taking all those things in consideration. So yeah. love you, man. Love what your family <laughs> is doing and what you're doing for the kingdom over there. Thank you again for being on my Cool Christian Nerd podcast. All right. Love you, man. Love you too, man. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. Once again, what a great conversation we had. I want you to come back again because we have some more cool Christian nerd topics to discuss. If you like this podcast and you want to see other people that you care about be a part of our cool Christian nerd tribe, share this with them. Till next time, this is Jamie Centeno reminding you it's smart to keep your cool. Peace.